Welcome to Love Extremist Radio. Being a love extremist means committing to and choosing love as joyful activism. I'm your host, Ethan Lipsitz, self-proclaimed love extremist. Love can exist everywhere, and yet when talking about it, we all seem to define it differently. There are many environments and individuals to whom love seems lost or was never there to begin with. I want to engage myself, guests, and you to confront love, get to know it as it appears in many forms, and learn from others who have love stories to share. I'll focus on three frames of love. Self-love, love in partnership, and love in community. My intention is to uncover and share stories that shed light on love in new and often forgotten ways. What's up, fam? I am very excited to be here today with Ryan Miller, the lead singer of the band Guster, host of Vermont PBS's Making Friends with Ryan Miller and Bardo, and composer on a slew of radical films, Safety Not Guaranteed, In a World, Kings of Summer, Tig, Fundamentals of Caring. You get the gist. He's also a bon vivant and a Shao Long Boa aficionado, <laughs> a.k.a. Soup Dumplings, which happen to be in abundance in this neighborhood. Um, and he's he's a pretty handsome guy in low light. We're actually in nice we're blue low light. Low light. Yeah, we're so low light. here we are, we're Ryan. Low, we're low lighting. <laughs> so good to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. And the, yeah, like to the, to the conversation about love. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Let's <laughs> we enter go. In, into the love shack. It's like we're in a boat. A a ro- we're in like a rowboat and we're just rowing down this river into a spot. How do you define love? Like what? what is I was it? hoping you weren't going to ask me right out of the gates. Oh, yeah. This is because how it was going. the two things you said to, pr- to prepare, like your your favorite love song, the greatest love song. Yeah. And well, we do that at the, on the way out. Yeah. I feel like I kind of want to swap it. Can we swap it? Because I don't because I think I need I don't I don't think I have a definition of love like at the ready. I failed in that part of my assignment. That's OK. But I figure we could we could tease it out because I bet as we talk about it at the end, I'll have a much better definition because I just have I have some concepts. But I don't have a I don't have a pithy series of words that are gonna put it together yet. Great. Can I so, punt? So what's your jam? My jam. Okay. Well, let's reverse the thing. Um, you know, there was a few I was looking at. I I have a playlist that I'm making called Best of the Best. That's basically like the thousand songs that have changed my life or that I need oh, to wow. have. Like, and I initially was, and I'm basically building it for my kids because. It's like they need to know about all these things. And some of them is totally low-hanging fruit, like Heart of Gold, you know, but also, and like, you know, The Boxer or something. Mm -hmm. But then there's some like totally obscure things that I'm putting in there. So I I went to that um, yesterday when you told me to find the love songs. I was like, it's got to be in here. Right. And I found a few and I was like, oh, that could be one. That could be one. And I was like, oh, wait, I, there, there is one. And it's, and, and I walked down the aisle or my, my, we read it at our wedding right, right before we walked down the aisle, and it's a Daniel Johnston song, uh, True Love Will Find You in the End. Okay. And it's, like, it's one of the most heartbreaking songs of all time, and, all, like, it's so it's so beautiful. And the lyrics are really simple, if you know anything about Daniel Johnston. Like, he doesn't really obscure, and it's so, it's one of the most powerful pieces of art that I can think of, and it happens to be a love song. So that's, that's, my, that's my answer. Thank you. Do you play it? 
Yeah. You we'll can play, play it on. We usually play it on the way out. Yeah, play it on the way out. That's yeah, what I mean. that's, that's kind of like and how the, we. And his these. version is is really it's very Daniel Johnston. So it's like you don't sort of get enveloped in it. There's a there's a Beck version of it that's really good too. But the Daniel Johnston one from the thing is pretty awesome. Yeah, he's he's such an interesting character. That guy. Super interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the most interesting one would say. Yeah, and 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 his work is like. Yeah, the, an unlikely musical hero in some ways. Uh, but, totally. Yeah. Gotta celebrate it. Yeah, we were ju- we were talking to before about kind of strange characters in the music world, and it almost feels like in order to be in the music world, in some ways, you almost have to be a strange character. And there was know, like, it was funny. I mean, this is some of this stuff feels so obvious, but a lot of stuff in life is like super obvious until it just hits you in a way I, I it isn't obvious until it just hits you and there was something right around when like bowie and prince died within i think a month of each yeah. other or something and i was like what freaky dudes those are like you could not put freakier dudes and yet the world is mourning them you know right. to think of like that there's so, there's kind of an idea that you really got to aim for the middle to to play to people or to like play to the middle but it's like these guys did not aim for the middle at all in their lives and like but yet they were like they're universally loved like when that when they were mourned when it was just like oh this is in the fabric of like who we are and you think about all the important people like especially music if you just limit it to music and you're like you know you think about all the people that are that are like that are so weird but they just become like part of mainstream but their weirdness is like this is like a total through line of my life of just like go to the weird go to the scary place turn up your eccentricities get as far you know be true to yourself but it's like you really it's about turning up all these edges that you have and not dulling them down and so that's like johnson is just a it's such a perfect he's such a good example of that and like my daughter's 10 and we listen to music all the time and, and she actually has some great opinions and like she when she hears Daniel's music as he records it, mm-hmm. she's like, I don't like this. I'm like, yeah, it's not that kind of music yet for you. And like mm-hmm. you will. And it wasn't for me for a long time, too. Like I came late to all this stuff. I mean, I yeah. grew up in Dallas, Texas and didn't get exposed to a ton of stuff. And it wasn't I didn't know anything about music when I went to college. And so my life has been playing catch up in a lot of ways. So like it took me a while. But then when you get it, you're just like, oh, this is the thing, man. This is all of it. Well, there's two things that are coming up for me as you say this. One is the, the the musical legends that we think about really were masters of the framing of love and the collective, in my view, in that they knew how to cultivate this collective energy, whether it be in an audience or through an album right. or through the way that they communicated with the world and their image, which was really expressive. And it was like, be the freak that you are, yeah. you know, let it go and enjoy it. And that really is one frame with which I like to kind of investigate love. Um, but then I also wonder about their day to day, you know, like Prince still ate cereal and yeah, played basketball, l- played basketball <laughs> and like pickles, you know, and like yeah. David Bowie for sure had a separate life. Right. Yeah, and he, he actually had, had kids re- and he raised children and he had a marriage, a stable marriage as far as I can tell. And like, yeah. Yeah. And just hearing, I mean, so, to give the audience a little bit of a backstory, Guster was a really influential band for me growing up in that 
it was local. It felt like New England. The music really kind of like almost, I, I, I have those beautiful memories of music, and I'm sure we all have this, where you listen to music of a season in your life, and it kind of ties into that. And definitely Lost and Gone Forever for me That's was cool. that. And, I, you know, you're saying you came to Tufts, right, With yeah. without any musical kind of yeah, vibe. So how so. did that, tell, tell us the story of like the genesis of this band, which became a collective expression of love, I would say. Um, well, you know, we, it's sort of a, we, you know, we were a college band. We met first day of school and we yes, were all. always and, first day. And so it's like first day. And, and I, cause I had basically, it was, I was in a band in high school that wrote original music and we were terrible. And I was, so when I got to college, I was like, I want to keep playing music, but I don't want to like be in a cover band. I want to, I want to find people that were in bands that wrote music. And they were literally, Brian and Adam were just like two, they're the two first dudes I knew. And like Brian had a pair of bongos and Adam had an acoustic guitar, but he was like a singer and like handsome. So it was sort of an unlikely thing. And, and we didn't, and part of the reason that we started right, we didn't know any songs in common. Like if we laid down the Venn diagram of like, Adam was like, and they were both kind of like, they knew classic rock and they were kind of like Grateful Dead thing. And the only music that I was kind of bringing with me was there was an alternative station, like one of the first alternative stations in the country was in Dallas. So like I was coming up with like The Cure and The Smiths and oh, cool. New Order. And like that was my whole thing that I was bringing was like, well, this is what I know. And they were like, we don't know any of this stuff. So we were writing music from the get go because it was the only thing we could kind of do. Yeah. And we were terrible for a long time. Um, but there was something about it that I think like people saw the, like the sincerity and there's like, you know, one of the things about our band is melody and we always had melody and we were writing concise songs. So like we were allowed to kind of figure out how to be a band in a lot of ways. And like, I think Lost and Gone Forever was like the first time we ever on record were just like, oh, okay, this is a statement of like where we can kind of stand and I can listen to it now and I can be like, okay, I understand what's good about this and like what's indelible about it, even though, that's not like um I I mean I don't never I don't listen to it or whatever but even those songs that we play quite often it's like I can see what's what was good and that was a crystallization of some of that so yeah we just started playing in college and played you know we were in school for four years and after we graduated we moved in a house together and we were making enough money to just keep we never got jobs which right. is you know a huge thing for a touring band to like well I gotta work so I can't really go we just like we that was training wheels basically so yeah. when we got out of school we were just able to buy a van and go start touring and we were this was all pre-internet so we were sleeping on floors and we started the street team program i don't think we invented it but we were really really <laughs> really close because we had this gusto rep thing where we'd send people cds in a, in a cereal box and we'd give them funny nicknames and like no one was really doing that there was That's like a couple cool. other bands so it was a super diy thing for a long time was there a moment maybe in school or just out when you like kind of had this crystallization of like, Oh, this is, this is a thing. Like this is really happening. Well, it's funny. And this is so uncool and I have no problem talking about it. like Adam was in our Adam who's the, one of the guys in the band. He was in the, the acapella group at our school. Oh, the I was an acapella dude. And oh, the Beelzebubs were the and they best. Were, they were the best. And they we were really, with them. they were really big and like they, and they would tour and stuff in college and they yeah. like go to South Carolina and come back with crazy stories. Oh, and yeah. there was a moment when, when Adam was like, yeah, man, well, I'm in the bubs and like, I'm not gonna, I'm only gonna, I, I mean, I'll only, I'll only quit the bubs if Guster's ever gonna be bigger than the bubs. And we're like, man, that's not cool. We'll never be bigger than the Beelzebubs. And so I think there was somewhere along that line, I was like, oh, wait, 
this actually, and maybe it was much later or something that, but I think honestly, it was just like the financial component it sounds so stupid, but it was, it's like when you graduate from college and you don't have to ask your parents for money and you can plunk down 750 bucks for the three of us to live in a house together. And then our only job is to like write music. And it was kind of just having financial security. Cause like, you know, we all went to a liberal arts college and we have like upper middle-class white, like <laughs> expectations that you're not going to like go slum it around. <laughs> like we wanted to be, we wanted to do stuff. All our friends were going to start their lives and we wanted to start our lives too. So there was a little bit of the financial component that we were just self-sufficient. Like right. that we were able to make enough money to, to make it work. And it's kind of a weird barometer, but it did actually make us feel like something, but there was no like, yeah, I mean, you know, we've been a band for 20. We we met, at, we played our first show together in 1991. Wow. It's what year is it? 20, 2018. Yeah, it's been a little while. It's been a minute. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Oh, I also, yeah, right? Let it go. Ah! Salud. Yeah, Big Good one. one. Yeah. Um, it's pretty awesome to actually acknowledge if, if, like, the financial component is the indicator you know, we talk a lot about money just being energy, right? And it's kind of is like, and you vote with your dollar. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? And so this idea, like, actually, if you translate the dollars into votes, uh -huh. then you're just getting enough votes to keep moving, which right. is kind of dope. Yeah, it, it was, and it, but it was like, it was more of just like, there was, there was a sort of, there was sort of a cosmic spiritual component of like, where that it was sustaining us. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like we were like raging capitalists. We need to make money. It was just sort of like, oh, wait, this could be a viable way to make a living because it's just not yeah. something I ever thought about. Like, oh, I'm going to go be a musician. Like, I'm not a gifted musician, I don't think. And like, I'm not a great player. I can't jam. Like, my my strengths as a band member are somewhat as a somewhat compositionally, like, I think I write good melodies and I feel like some of my lyrics are good and all this stuff is getting way better as I practice my craft and there's some component of a performance thing with I'm sure we'll get into with like the energy stuff that I feel like mm -hmm. I'm good at but it was never like I mean there's a billion musicians better than me so I was never I never had the conceit that it's like yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go be a rock star and that's what I'm gonna do for a job so as it kind of started to come true it was like oh this is my gig it was pretty we took it off very seriously yeah All of us did yeah, well, and so just to double click on what you just mentioned, that idea of like the the kind of performance aspect of it, was there a time, usually like when businesses or projects start, you start with the three Fs, friends, family, and fools, you know? <laughs> and that's kind of like, you, you can get a little momentum there, but eventually yeah. you got to move beyond the three Fs right. in order to be a legit thing. So there must have been a time when you were playing a show and it was like, oh, everyone's singing along. Like people know these songs. Yeah. I mean, it just felt like it was so ground up. And basically what would happen is like these street teams were kind of, we call them guster reps. Is like yeah. there was a kid in the University of Miami, Ohio in Oxford. And he was like, hey, man, I love your band. Like we put our phone number and we played, we played, we were busking and, and, and a lot of this is like, I can trace the, how the band kind of expanded because we were in Boston. A lot of people don't grow up in Boston, but they go to school there and then they go right. back to New Jersey. They go back to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They go back to wherever. And they kind of like, it was like a good place to, to, it was sort of ground zero. Like you could kind of seed it there and it would get spread. And then we would tour in concentric circles, ever widening concentric circles to kind of pick up stuff. Nice. Um, and then there'd be a guy from Oaks and, and like, so we were like, Oh, okay, Andy, 
you like our band, here's 25 CDs and here's your Guster name. Book us a show and your local thing. We'll sleep on your floor and bring all your friends. And like, we did that. And we would go right. to University of Miami, Ohio. And Andy would be there and we'd sleep on the floor of his like house with like eight other dudes. And we'd hang out there for two or three days. And we'd like become buddies with them and we'd play a show. And then it was like, and then we were, and then it was like, we were part of their lives. And so this thing you were talking about seasonals, it was like, oh, that Guster thing. And so we kind of would do this all over like the country, at least the Eastern half. And we would just find these little pockets. And so they would just kind of bloom from there. And there was something in the music that was like spreadable, right? That's yeah. like you'd play and you come back and you play to more people. That's right. the kind of, that's the getting past the three F's thing, I guess. Well, right. And I think there was actually like you were there, the, your music at that time very much kind of was in alignment with a lot of the other music that was coming out and that kind of circuit. Uh, There's a number of other bands that kind of had sounds that were complimentary. Um, but I, just going back to that idea of Andy's living room. Yeah. Like, do you think that that's pop? like it, we live in this world where it feels like breadth is so much more valued than depth, right? Where yeah. it's like, how many followers do you have? Yeah. How many radio plays? How many streams? But really what you were doing was just ge generating depth, right? It's like you might get 50 people out at the show at University of Miami, Ohio. Yeah. But you get a chance to really go deep for three days with this crew. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I don't know. I mean, what what's your feelings on that? Do you think that that A, would work today? And B, like, if there was Instagram at that time, do you think it would have been oh, a different so, world? I don't know. Like, I think, I think frequently about how it would be so different to be, excuse me, in a band now because there's there's so far sounds right there's all this there's house concerts and there's couch surfing and everybody's got kind of a thing and and about how i mean these thing these systems are already in place that weren't in place is it still running yeah okay cool. <laughs> um so in some ways it would be a lot easier but because we were like we were literally and i say this like I, but we were trailblazing like no one was telling us what to do we were making this stuff up as we went along right yeah. like Oh, let's try this and let's do this kind of thing. There was no manual and we were booking ourselves and the whole thing. So in that sense, we were really taking ownership of the whole thing. And when we were presenting, it was like, we're, we were always just like, there was no pretense to whatever we did. I mean, we were super uncool and still are in a lot of ways. Like acoustic bongos couldn't be any less cool. You know what I mean? So like we were just kind of owned our thing. And in that, and in that sense, maybe that's the depth that you're talking about of just like, not trying to be something that you're not well yes and i mean to quote donnie trumpets and chance the rapper you know i'm not trying to be cool i'm just trying to be me yeah right I mean, and that's the, the access point yeah. to actual success right sure and i don't even think that and i think there is some component of of especially like the latter half of our career with like trying to be cool but not not in a pejorative way of just like i like cool music like not because it's cool, I, not because it's cool, air quotes, but because it's cool. Like I like this music, it's cool. So I think as we've, I mean, as we've developed, like we work with collaborators that work with really cool bands, but we don't do it because of the association. We do it because they've made records that we appreciate. You know what I mean? And the concept of cool can be a little bit mercurial, but. Well, and it also feels like a comparison statement, right? Like to judge something as cool is almost to other it. And to not be cool, to just be you, yeah. is actually to be accessible, right? Yes. And it's to be able to be, like, someone can go right up to, you know, you're super 
like accessible guy. And yeah. I feel like it's really easy to have a conversation. And, and you know, there's plenty of people who are used to being called cool or orienting their lives around that where it's like, no, nah, you can't talk well, to it just Yeah. And it's just not a, <laughs> it's not a sustainable thing or you're chasing it or whatever. I mean, right, right. a lot of this stuff has sort of come to me much later in my life than <laughs> I would have liked in a way, although it's just what it is. But like the, the embracing of just like, this is my thing. This is what I am. This is, who I do, I'm going to own all this stuff because I, I just can own it. And people really react to that in a super positive way. Even people that don't like what you do kind of like at this point, it's like, that's cool. Like we made a really weird Guster record that's in like, it's kind of in the can and it's sonically, it's really pretty far out from anything else we've done. And it's just like, well, this is what we wanted to do, you know? And, and I can own it. And there's even, you know, I'm play I'm starting to play it for my friends, especially, here and there and there's certain things I can tell it's like okay I don't know if you like this but I know that you respect the hell out of the fact that we did it you know and that it's not doesn't sound like anything else so I, yeah. I love that space it's amazing that's well, all I can hope for anybody and when a band's been together for more than 25 years yeah. like you're basically in a position where you have to continue to evolve and do different things to 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 live right yeah there's like no momentum you, yeah you that's grow. what i constantly say it's like there's no momentum that brings the band along it's not like right. oh cool if we stop innovating we stop trying really hard we stop communicating we stop doing any of these 50 things that make the engine run that that it will still it will still run it everything falls apart i mean look there's a billion things happening at all times we've been a band for so long like right. There's no reason for people to continue to listen to our band except for the fact that we're like constantly pushing super hard, even just to stay on the treadmill of just being like to show up to play in Ohio and there'll be a thousand people that show up. I mean, there's no momentum for us to like, you, you got to constantly work just to be in one place. Right. Yeah. I'm, Which is cool. I, I got no issue. I, I mean, I'm happy with the way things are in, it, a lot, in so many ways. It's dope. It's also like I'm I'm realizing now as we're talking that there's kind of two, like we, we were speaking before the show started about family love and that perspective and how that's kind of the, the, the perspective of being a parent to kids is a whole nother kind of frame with which I haven't articulated this show. Yeah. And I think it's interesting for us to get into that. There's also the frame of the chosen family which I think is a little bit more um, insular than the community and it is your band, right? Or your housemates or, yeah. you know, people that you stick with that, that kind of become like the big chill, you know, like yeah. that crew yeah. that stays together. And I guess I, I'd be curious to know just um, how do you keep it like fresh and not, too full of expectation or in terms of conditionality the band and all these in terms other things. of the band and like that, that being like something. Well, a lot like, of it is sort of musically driven too, of just like, our, you know, this is our eighth record and it is very, I mean, this record compared to what we did uh, eight, like on parachute, our first record, it's not, there's a through line, but it's very, it's so far away. Like it's not the same band. So mm. we keep, I was talking about this last night, uh, like, I think like all marriages are like a succession, like any success, long marriage is, is, is a succession of many, many different kinds of marriages. It's like, yes. I constantly use like either a tree or a, like, it's like a tree, right? The, the natural inclination is the branches start to branch. And the only way to keep a marriage on is to like break the, break the branches and kind of put them, push them back together. So they stay. So at the end of your life, you have this winding path of like parallel things because 
you're, I'm a dynamic person and I'm not who I was five years ago. My partner, my wife isn't, is also going through a lot of stuff and we're going through stuff together. Kilted change us. Aging is changing uh, all of it. So it's similar to being in a band. Like, you know, we have to, every record we have to sit down and be like, do we want to do this? What do we want to do? Do we all want to do the same thing? Like, are we ready to, and like, we've had a different band. We had a band member come in like, 15 years ago and he was with us for seven years and then he left and we had this guy Luke come in with us for eight years. And so that's a whole other dynamic. So sure. you have to, every record, you really got to sit down and like this one, we like found a, a, another collaborator because we like working with producers and then who really crystallized so much of what we were trying to do and brought this whole other wave to us. And so now we're just like, I can't wait for people to hear this stuff. Like I'm so excited to play people the record because it's, really strange and it's really <laughs> sonically rich and it's like it's a crazy thing so now i'm like we're just chomping to get out there like we're going on tour for three weeks and then we're booking all these that's like why i've been on the phone it's like can i book in may march in this festival and it's like i can't wait to go play the stuff and then it's the new stuff too but it's also like this collective thing that you're talking about like i get it that when we go play shows like i feel all this stuff i I, I'm a facilitator of it, not to yes. be too like self-aware about it because it, it's dangerous, but like, I feel it. I feel it in my heart. So like when I feel it, we put it out there, it's felt, it's put back to us. It's a thing. And it's, and when it's on, it's really magic for people. And a lot of these songs have been woven into their people's lives in the same right. way. I'm a massive fan of music. We talked about Daniel Johnson already. Like, can you imagine? Like I met Daniel Johnson, like I, you know, like, I, we were supposed to, we, you know, it's all this stuff. So like, I'm a fan of music. I can, I can completely empathize on the other side of it. Like, I'm just such a fan of stuff. So I get all, I get all this on a lot of levels. Are there songs that are switches that you find that when you play it, it literally like lights up the room? And yeah, there just... are definitely like, yeah. I mean, there are sort of classic things like, you know, we have the, our song Satellite is just like, you know, it it went. We got a gold record a couple months ago. The song came out eight Congrats. years ago because it just kind of stayed. It was never yeah. a hit song. It was in a couple little. It was in a movie, but it was never like huge on the radio. But just like, and every time I meet people, like I, you know, like I meet famous people here, they're like, "Yo, what's up? Satellite's pretty dope." And I'm like, "Yeah, Satellite's <laughs> pretty dope." Like I can stand by and like people hear it at CVS or whatever, and and yeah. like, it's not in the canon. It's not in like top 500 songs of all time, Rolling Stone, but it's a version of a canon, like the song holds yeah. up yeah. You know, and like that's as not as close in some ways it's as close to a perfect pop song as we've ever recorded in a oh. way. So that feels good. And like, it always feels good to play and people know it, but like also a lot of people have seen us at this point, seen us a ton. Yeah. So it's not always like the low hanging fruit. It's not right. like a, you know, MC hammer comes and plays can't touch this or something like right. But there are like, you know, there's come downstairs and say hello, which I think was on Keep It Together. And it's just like, it always crushes. Like yeah. it's big dynamic thing or whatever. But also like we played a couple new songs in this summer as we were going and it was like, wow, this is good. Like I think these are going to be like, these are going to be like new, new staples, but not out of the nostalgic part. Like once right. people start to learn the music and stuff. So yeah, there are. There are things, but certain certain songs are different. But there are tunes that like move the move the meter for sure. Yeah, it's like of course they do. 
Right. You already kind of know before. Yeah, you and, play so, and like Brian makes our set list, and I've never made a set list in my life. And it's just like, <laughs> he's like, okay, we got to do this, and we'll put the little dip here. And sometimes they're little moments. And yeah, it's it's kind of hard. To, it, there's energy, the, the energy stuff, sometimes it's like loud and participatory, and but sometimes it's quiet and right. participatory. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, hard, it's a hard silent to, audience of 2,000 people. Yeah, I mean, like we played, we played. We played a show with the Vermont Symphony Orchestra this summer in, in Burlington, and uh, and it was really technical. And I, we, I personally did not have a great time just because it was there was so much going on. It was the first time we played yeah. a couple of new songs, and and I didn't, and I, and it was my first hometown show. It was like a sold out show, three thousand people, and it was sort of wow. like my biggest, our biggest show in Vermont ever, which is crazy. Twenty seven years to keep growing in a market, and I didn't have a great time. And I, when I walked off stage, the guy from VSO was like nice job. And I, I was like, was it like, was it good? And so now I've seen a lot of people in the last couple of months who have like, I could tell that something magic was happening, even though I just tried to be as present as I could and kind of go on this thing. So I know that we put it across, but I didn't feel it in this way, but I know it was special because there was an orchestra and we were outside in this beautiful place. Yeah. So like those things happen. It's like, okay, that was, that was a special, that was a special show, even though I don't necessarily feel well, it's also like being a host, you know, like you get to a place in hosting where you it becomes second nature. But then when you throw in, you know, 50 more, you know, wait staff to the mix or whatever it is, you know, like yeah. you're, you're putting an orchestra in the mix. Yeah. You don't have practice with that in the same way you do with the band. Of you course. Know? No, there was nothing. There's no muscle memory. Right. In that. Exactly. So it's, it's harder to enjoy it when you're early days in that yeah. flow. But if you were going to do 20 of them. Probably by the twentieth, you'd be yeah, like, yeah, no, yes. I mean we've 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 done it. We're gonna do another one. Yeah, the the orchestra shows can be really powerful. You're like on a battleship because there's like eighty people like you know playing with you, and it's like that's that stuff is. I think I almost always cry. It's so cool. Yeah, to have that kind of power <laughs> yeah, behind you. I always dream of having a horn section behind me whenever I walk into a room. You know, like bam, bam, bam. You know, just hits on hits. Wow. And I used I was in an acapella group in Philly at yeah. Penn, and um. We were singing actually with, you know, 20 other voices behind you, co-ed, just blasting, all singing from their guts. Right. You know, is actually like one of the more power. It's almost like having a horn section. It's like just you're being supported literally vocally. Yeah. Well, you people. you were saying that you do this, right? You yeah. have like a collective thing where everybody gets to sing. And there's an and you reminded and it reminded me of this thing, this other Thing. Have you heard of choir, choir, choir? Yeah. And they're like Montreal based. Yeah. I live in northern Vermont, so I'm in Montreal a ton. And that thing is beautiful. It's amazing. And, and it's just like, oh, this is so cool. And I've been trying to figure out how to crack this live. Like, how do we, like a few times in big shows, I'm like, let's give out parts and give everybody. And, and Ben Folds, we spent some time yeah. touring with him, and he does this really well. Yeah. And he's really good at this. And he's done a few things where he conducts the crowd. And it's just like, yeah. It's like, oh, you're just crushing this, right. man. You're just crushing this. Bobby McFerrin, just that's all I got to tell you. Yeah, somebody else kind of said that too. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not yeah. saying yes or no. I'm just like I don't know. Well, just his crowd control. Oh yeah. And he'll just like he'll like literally like move on the stage, <laughs> and then the notes will change. Just like every move is like, and he gets that's the whole cool. crowd getting down. All it's right, amazing. Down. So dope. Um, so let's let's like talk a little bit about familial love you're a father you've been married for 13, 13 years dating for 17 wow yeah. yeah and so so that's in like a, a space that i think is a really interesting one especially as it relates to 
um, kind of your priorities and your artistry and your creativity? Like, do you see being a dad and being a partner as something that is integrated into your life as an artist? Or do you see it almost as a separate project that's kind of like, you know, you have to put a different hat on? Well, I think in just in terms of my own like self-development and self-awareness, like I really, I try and do a lot of like zooming out, like holistic stuff about who am I? How do I want to live? How do I define myself? How do I, how do I present? How do I just, in any given moment, how am I acting? And is that true to some very distilled form of who I want to be, right? So like, I want to be truthful. I want to be sincere. I want to be present. I want to be loving. These are all things that I want to do as a, as a sing, as a songwriter, as a performer, as a partner, as a father, as a someone ordering a coffee. You know what I mean? As someone walking up to the parking attendant person and being like, yeah. you know, even last night I went to some party at the HBO lot and the lady was crazy and I was like, kind of nuts, huh? She's like, yeah. And I could just see her stress and just the fact that somebody acknowledged her mm-hmm. moment. And I'm not saying this is like whatever. I I don't want to be too self like. Uh, aggrandizing right here, but there is that where it's like, that's who, that's me in a good spot. That's right. like what I'd like to do. So no, I try not to separate it all. I'm trying to be a very, like being very proactive about the kind of how, what kind of person I want to be. And mm-hmm. it, of course there are different facets to that, but I'd like on a very, again, on this macro level, on this distilled level, I try and there's some very big things I'm trying, I'm taking swipes at. Nice. And so would you say being a father has influenced your artistry yeah i mean it changes it changes you as a person in a in a way like it who was i was talking to someone a couple days ago and they're like oh yeah our our video guy he's wife's pregnant he's like well you're still making music like i could see in the fear like everybody and there's some there's a band in town that wanted to talk to my wife they're like well we want to have a baby but we're afraid that if we have a baby that josh won't be able to tour anymore and i'm like no you're still the same person like you have a kid you're still you're still the, all the things that like still like nachos or you're scared of spiders or whatever like all right. these things are in place i mean the priorities change practicalities change your sleep change your relationship with your partner changes your relationship to money changes all yeah. these other very very practical things happen and spiritually i think it can change although i will say like and i've said this a lot like it's not it's not like a bombshell but like i didn't really enjoy my kids until they were two <laughs> because i couldn't can talk to them like right. i'm a i'm a processor like uh like some people are like oh this is the most beautiful thing ever and i just see it and i get it but i don't feel that wasn't my thing like there are things that my daughter says when she's like when we're listening to something like we're listening to some Harry Nielsen song. And she's like, dad, this is getting a little, and I'm thinking, God, this is getting a little bit annoying. And she's like, dad, this is getting a little bit annoying. And I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. Like right. we're in sync and she's feeling this thing. And we're not talking about it. like, that's when I feel like, not that we're alike, but like, like, and that's not what I need necessarily, but that's like the really heavy stuff where I'm just like, oh, this is all happening. And it feels so cosmic and like beautiful that this, this morphous, thing is like rolling out and it's all yeah so and it's really incredibly heavy and as much as I care about my work and stuff like you have a kid and all of a sudden it's like the biggest project you'll I mean you make things you've started businesses you are doing this you know how much care you put into certain things and how all-encompassing they can feel 
And then you just take that and you multiply it times a billion with a kid. Right. And so, and you're the responsibility of it all. And the, you know, you can't cut, you can't cut bait when they're being asshole. So yeah. or whatever, yeah. like all this stuff. So it's like, it's the biggest project you'll ever take on. And that's like a very crass way to put it in a way. But right. for an artist that makes things and feels that stuff, it is, it's nuts. It's, everybody says it. It's so like, Oh, you'll, you'll, it'll be the, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. But it does. It, by definition, it changes changes everything on that level because of the because of the responsibility that's put upon you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I extrapolate to seeing the co creativity, literal co creativity of a child. Right, it it takes two. Yeah. Um, to to produce this being. Yeah. Um, is the ultimate act of co creation, and ideally, it comes from a place of love. It doesn't always. Right. But ideally, it does, and when that occurs. It then becomes this, yeah, the ultimate creative project, right? The yeah, ultimate right. expression of your love. And yeah, it was so cool to hear you read the email your daughter sent you just yeah. before the show. And yeah. you're like, this is so my daughter. Yeah, right? she's <laughs> so, it's so her, but it's so my wife and it's so me. Like I can just see, and it's so her that she's just like this other being that kind of was like, you know, my wife and I are kind of just like, where is she getting that from? And ultimately it probably comes down to one of the two of us, but not always. Sometimes it's just like a mysterious third party. Like there's some weird <laughs> cocktail and it's yeah. just like watching them turn into people and watching them process the world and watching them like develop a sense of humor and like a way of seeing things is so fascinating. And it's not like, but it's it doesn't hold my interest to the point of just like I want to sit there and watch them grow. Sure. Like I have to do all this other stuff, and I want to come back in, and I want to I want I want to be demonstrative that I this is what you can do. And but I also like my wife's got to do it, and she's got to get away, and all this. Of course, stuff. yeah. There's so many dynamics to it. Also, really, what I'm hearing as a through line is the mirroring, right? Like when. And and I don't want to inform your definition of love because I want to get to yeah. that as we finish it up. But th- it's interesting how it keeps coming up in my conversations with people about love. This idea of seeing yourself in the other. Hmm. And whether that be your child, your audience, your partner, there's so many different ways of that. But truly understanding like, oh, like we're all people. We're all, you know, yeah. we all really have the best intentions, whether it's the parking lot attendant at HBO, yeah. you know, like just giving a little bit of that attention and that presence and being able to say, oh, like I see me and I see you. And that is being seen, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's an interesting way of saying it. It's like, to me, let me see how I can do this. Like, okay. Uh, what? There was a, I went to see Neil Young and uh, a couple weeks ago in my, at the Capitol theater in Port Chester, a small little theater. And I'd seen him a bunch of times and I've seen him with his band and it's fine. Like he'd like, maybe he'll play like, you know, he'll play the big rock and hits and it's cool. And then I saw him here in LA at the Kodak by himself and it was transcendent. And then I saw him last week or two weeks ago at the Capitol and he played, uh, unknown legend from harvest moon and there was a moment and i was sitting there and i was yeah, I had great seats because my friend owns a theater and Sweet. i was sitting there and i was watching this and i was like he was singing and i was like this is the universe and it's like purest form like yeah. it's neil young singing this song in this moment it could not be like it is like you know, there's a movie called Time Bandits and it's like, it's concentrated evil. It's the purest evil. It's like the antithesis. Like this moment is the, it, you couldn't, 
it's everything has led to this moment being like this. And I feel like when I think about when I was thinking about my definition of love and I'm like, Oh, so this isn't the only thing like that. There's a, there's a million things like this. There's a billion things like this in life, like a sunrise on a, you know, whatever. Like I've been a burning man several times, taken ayahuasca a bunch of times. Like I do, you know, like I know what these things are. Um, But I, I feel like they're, that ultimately underneath all of that, and this is why I could come up with a definition, is that there is like the love component is right. the is the thing, right? It's like that's the real purest definition of the universe of like, man, we're all just beings and I don't know, and I'm kind of on this trip now that we probably are in a simulation of a video game. Like I'm pretty <laughs> yes. sure that's where we're at. So that's messing <laughs> with me a little bit. I got to do a little bit of work. I got to be a little, I got to do a little bit more work in there. I haven't quite figured that one out yet. Right. Um, but I do think that there's some pure essence to the thing, to our collective experience, to everything that's happening. And that that is probably related to love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. That might be my definition. Nice. Very long. There's not this, at all um, pithy. Right. It's, it, it's when Neil Young it's is when it, Neil. He's playing solo yeah. And, it, yeah. and the seats are good. Yeah. Well, so I guess my, my, my question here is, does that moment exist always? And is it really a question of framing and not a question of like it being the perfect moment, but rather just being able to identify where that is in any time? Moment. Yeah, I mean, I right. That's some like that's some pretty Buddhist stuff, which is cool. I'm like, you know, well, and to your point about Burning Man, yeah, it's like or the what was the movie American Beauty with the starts with the plastic bag, yeah. and you're like, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's like cool. I mean, yeah, sure, of, of course, and I and like, absolutely, that could be true. And anything, you know, any moment like that, like I'm here in this hypersocial situation where I'm like, I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna go like. I'm going to go write music with a guy I've never met before. So I'm yeah. trying to be as open and vulnerable as this stuff is. So like this experience, like I'm going to walk away from this week being like, wow, like, yeah. wow, I really gave like my whole thing. And maybe this week is in some way a version of that drop where right. it's just like, I came in, I was really open. I got to eat a bunch of great food. I got to see some friends. I got to see some art. Like maybe that's the thing too. Also like, I, yeah, I totally for sure, absolutely. Your cup overfloweth. <laughs> my my cup overfloweth against the backdrop of some really, really, really horrible stuff that's going on, and processing that with my with my tribe, with my community, and like figuring out what all this stuff is means and how we get through it, and that's all part of the deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. you well, know. Well, let's get into that because I I don't want to be I don't want to be ignorant or um not ignorance not the right word but i don't want to ignore like the horrible stuff right yeah. so in this moment in this time like what's the what's the shadow like what's the dark stuff that's that that's kind of weighing heavy on your mind and how do you get through that well this is my my sort of existential dilemma happened like i am naturally i think i seek I think I seek love. I feel that that it pulses. I feel that there's an engine. I'd like, I'm not religious, but I feel like the connectedness of like the earth and it being a mother and the universe and like all this stuff feeling very coherent in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. even though it seems discordant. And I generally believe that things get better and that good deeds will be rewarded in terms of like spiritually, like, you put your head down and you do your work and things are going to generally be okay. 
So when, you know, when Trump came up, I was like, it really rocked because I was like, this can't, this is going against everything that I believe fundamentally. Like mm -hmm. we're rewarding this thing that's so obviously built on untruths and divi div division and, and it really kind of it just existentially it messed with me. And even like what happened last week with Kavanaugh and like, yeah. and, and it's cool, but one, and so that, okay. So that's one thing that's like, that's a shadow thing. And obviously all the things, you know, wealth and equity and endemic racism and all of the things, you know, like mm -hmm. all, all the things that we as, as a like self-avowed liberal are concerned with. But then, you know, one thing that happened this week is I met, I've been hanging out with my buddy and he's like, he's a total card carrying liberal, but he's like some of the language that he uses around some of this stuff is feels really, it's like, whoa, you're talking about that right now. You're talking about like, and it's helping me understand uh, maybe a more, I'm, I'm finding my way through this in a way of like, so I'm just trying to answer part B of the question is like, how am I getting through it? Is I'm still trying, I still feel like there is order in the universe and I'm trying to figure out what the laws are. And I feel like I've gotten a few little uh, breadcrumbs of like, okay, now I know what's happening. I know, I know why Trump is, I know why people believe him. And I feel like I know how we can, fix it and, and, and that there's still, you know, I'm still optimistic. All right. And let me just take a quick sidebar. Cause yeah, please. I, after this happened, right. Yeah. Trump, Trump was elected and everything fell apart in my, <laughs> in my spills. How are we doing on time? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, and, uh, okay. Sidebar to my sidebar. One of the cool, one of the cooler things I've done in my musical life is I wrote the song for a movie, uh, and ended up being through this whole kind of, Kind of the thing Stevie Nicks sang it, and I was Sweet. in the studio with her for a day, and it wow, exists. Epic. And I spent some time with her, and she's absolutely incredible. One of the greatest, oh my gosh, one of the greatest artistic experience of my life. And so after Trump was elected, she played uh, in Boston, and I went to see it. And I and I've obviously been super down in the dumps. And when she played, and we, I was in this, I was in uh, the garden, mm -hmm. and there was fourteen thousand people, and I was like, it was the first time I was like. Right. Yeah. Oh, this is it. We're going to be okay. There's not, this aren't all liberals. There's probably a lot of people in this room that voted for Trump. Yeah. All here together. And Stevie's up there and she's, she's like, she's the energy GJ and she's like playing this and we're all in this moment together. And this is going to mm. be okay. Like it was the first exhale I had was like 10 days afterwards. And it was in a, this collective love music yep. art thing. And I was yep. like, okay, we're, it's not all lost. And so, that is sort of okay. So I forget what my initial sidebar was. <laughs> I think that was a beautiful point. You know, <laughs> that that the art brings us into this space of being able to kind of take on some of the challenges and also acknowledge like there's so much light and unity in the art and in the music and in the the experience of that collectively. I mean, we were talking about fish before we we got yeah. on air, and for me, that was a collective euphoric spiritual introduction to literally to spirituality and music sure and just being in a room with you know ten thousand fish heads dancing their faces off yeah. is like oh and the fact that these dudes just created this out of nothing out of like right. dorm rooms and and you know nectars or whatever like it just as an experience that's why i can i am just such a booster beyond anything musically i'm just right. like wow you guys like just the this church basically yes, that yes. you guys have made and 
And it's funny because I saw Radiohead a few, like a month oh, ago in go. Montreal. and Another great example. And I was like, oh boy, man. And it was, and it, and after that show, and of course church comes up a lot like in that, because I was like, this feels like church. Right. And it was also like, this is, I feel about this band. Like I feel like fish feels, fish fans feel about fish. Like right. I would go see them. I would go on tour with them. I would go sure. see 10 shows in a row. And I don't really have the capacity that for that in my life. But for that, because of the way that it made me feel and how musical it was and how like, again, it was sort of like that Neil thing of like, mm -hmm. what is happening right now? So it even feeling like that with Radiohead, I had to kind of equiv equivocate it back to fish fans. I was like, okay, I get it. You get it. <laughs> like, I <laughs> Well, it's the same thing in, 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 in electronic music, you know, like a DJ could do that for a lot of people and yeah. it does, you know, so they do. So I, I, I don't want to, yeah, for me it was fish. I think that was a very New England kind of growing up in Boston kind yeah, of, of course. circumstance. But if I had been in Ibiza, it would have been something else. You yeah. Know? And just to get back to that, the, what, what I actually see happening there is the genius of the artists is that they do become facilitators and they're not just the spectacle. It's yes, they are incredibly honed at their craft and they have their storytellers and they're, you know, channeling divine light, but they're also very much able to engage the entire room in the experience in a way that isn't a separation. And it gets back to our conversation about cool. It's not about like this, like, oh, they're so cool. They're so them. And it's like the stage show. You know, I think you don't have that church experience, even with a David Bowie or, you know, a Prince. Like what you have is a spectacle and that's dope. Yeah. But like you're not going to see Hamilton right now. What you're doing is you're actually engaging with someone's soul and feeling like the unity of that soul in the room. And yeah. it can be thousands of people. Yeah. And it just depends on certain artists. Like certain artists aren't probably like, as you're saying that, I'm like, is Beyonce like that? Because I know people feel her yeah. in that way and they feel like they're going to church. But is it because she's mirroring them? It's like, I don't think so. I think it's just that she's being really honest and she's got a lot to say and she's super smart and artistic and her soul you know it just feels sincere but certain things like fish or maybe in our band or whatever like yeah it is about that continuum that's like i saw this band the other day that played i was i was hoping to do a show with this band rainbow kitten surprise do you know anything about this band? no but i love that name. and i'm just like <laughs> i had heard about them through my friends or promoters like oh they're crushing and i was like okay so i went to check it out and i was like oh they're on a rocket ship like Musically, I Rainbow like Kitten Surprise. Yeah, like I like I I really liked like I really liked most of the songs, but to me it was just like what they were doing on stage and what was coming back at them. I was like, this is gonna be you're gonna you're gonna like I could just I I hung out with a few of the guys after this. I was like, you're you guys on a rocket ship right now, and it just felt in a way. And I told like our manager, I was like, man, that band is going. They're gonna they're gonna crush. Like they're and the guy, they're, they're from the South, and the guy just, like, came out of the closet, but he's from Boone, South Carolina, but he did it on Instagram, and Whoa. then the bass player started wearing fishnets, and I was like, what's going on with you guys? And these sons of a preacher, and they're like, it's this genre bending, and, like, it's so interesting, and it's not like, it just adds all these layers to the thing. You're just like, what are you doing? And the music <laughs> isn't, like, flamboyant in any way. It's almost like kind of southern rock kings of leon but it's got all these weird touches and it's just this like what are you guys doing right now and you could tell that people are feeling it and i was just like i went to go see a few songs i'm like i'm in man i'm just 
buying it just energetically. Like I'm not even sitting there parsing like the, the tune so much of just right. like you guys are making something and it's crazy and I feel it and you know that we feel it and you're giving it back and I was just like this is and no context at all. Yeah, I had no context for it. I didn't, I didn't bring in any of my own stuff of like oh I love this song I can't wait to do this or right. I know this is going to be a thing I'm looking for. I was just like what it just hit me and it was really beautiful. So basically we have Rainbow Kitten Surprise and Radiohead <laughs> as kind of church yeah. for Ryan here. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, that that show in particular. And Neil Young, right, we got course, that. Course, Daniel right. Johnston. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so just to kind of take us out, I'd love for you to just share kind of where do you see opportunities for us listening to this show, anyone listening to the show, to really dig in and express their love in the world what how would you if you were imparting some wisdom um, as a musician or an artist or a father like you know where do you where, where do you want to see more people kind of engaging their love I guess like I think what I try and do a lot of times is I really try and put on like my empathy hat like a lot of just like someone else's experience and giving them the benefit of the doubt yeah um like the parking attendant lady or totally. whomever, like, yo, I get this. Like, I know what you're trying to do and I want to explain what I'm trying to do. And I bet there's a place in the middle we can meet. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. Like politically, my buddy is like working on the thing. It's like we're not really all that far apart and we're being kind of frothed up on these in our, in our little channels that are going on that we, you know, and our, we got our, we got our visors on that are only looking one way. Like, I don't think ultimately any of us, like, of course we are different, but there's, sure. we're not as different as we think we are. So I, I think trying to really like, again, really distill it into like this version of humanity. Like we all kind of like want to be taken care of. We want to like have some laughs. We want to feel safe. We want to like fall in love. We want someone to like tell us a joke, like that kind of stuff. It, that's like the real universal stuff where, where I think I'm at my best and what I would like to kind of get with my kids is like, it's not about shouting someone down necessarily, you know, it, it's, it's really about trying to get and like, listen to what they're saying and try and understand what, what they're going through and then tweak it. I think that's, that's a real part of like, it's like, it's like selflessness in the, in like, in the cause of selfishness. Like it's still ultimately about me in a yeah. way or you, but it's like, you got to listen, you got to, you got to feel what they're feeling and then kind of figure out how to move. Yeah, the way I express that is actually empowerment is the new power. And, <laughs> right, and, yeah. and to me, what that means, it's like facilitation yeah. instead of the artist, right? It's like, how do you empower others to feel supported, to feel seen, exactly. to feel empathized with? And I really appreciate that point. I think that's so integral, especially in these times when the dynamism is so alive. Yeah. You know, everything's changing, the way that we interact Crazy. across the sexes, across the political out, whatever it is. And, um, yeah, just, just really thinking about how do we come from a place of love and empowerment. So thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. Um, this has been dope. Cool. How do people find you? I know there's a new record coming out. Oh, yeah, like what, my little promotion. Yeah, things. like give us a little promo. Uh, my, my, the things I'm working on right now is I'm super proud of the Guster record. That thing happens. I I'm not working. I usually sc I score movies and stuff, but I'm not. nothing's in the can yet, but I have a bunch of movies that I've done. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, what else am I? What else am I proactively of? I'm making a thing with Alex that we haven't yes. announced yet, like a, an animated thing that I can't really talk about yet. Cause it's but it's done, awesome. But it's going to be great. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and then my TV show, my PBS show, like the Bardo thing where I'm interviewing musicians and I'm trying to do some version of the Making Friends. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to make a bunch of stuff as as much as I can. Yeah, ultimate so, creator. I don't know. I don't know where my like. I don't know. I should need to probably just have like a Ryan Miller dot org dot ca or something. I don't know why it's dot yeah, ca, I mean, but just like this is where all my stuff is. Like yeah. this is all the stuff I'm working. Keeping on. it in Canada. Yeah. yeah exactly. Gotta keep it in Canada. <laughs> so, are you on Instagram? Like, yeah. I, no, I'm not even publicly. I have a private Instagram. Oh, no. Wow. I mean, like Guster and yeah. uh, Twitter's. I actually Twitter's good because I'd run the Guster Twitter, so I put oh, some okay. of my weird stuff in there. Wow, from time to time, people tweeting, people tweeting. I'm tweeting. Tweet at Ryan. I love, I love tweeting. Watch I love out. Me, I love me some tweeting. Wow. Well, thank you for joining me yeah, on, on short notice, me. and this yeah. is awesome <laughs> to meet you. I just want to say to the audience, um, this is definitely kind of a personal memory of my youth, kind of coming into reality in terms of meeting. <laughs> You've this manifested guy who, this. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I, I didn't even know what he looked like, but I knew his music, <laughs> and uh, no, I actually did. I, I saw you play a Tufts Spring Fling oh, like God. way back. Oh, yeah, those are never good. It's like Sorry, Jurassic guys. Five or something like that. Yeah, it was great. Anyway, um, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be in touch, spreading all the love. True love will find you in the end. You'll find out just who was your friend. Don't be sad, I know you will. Don't give up until True love will find you in the end This is a promise with a catch Only if you're looking can it find you Recognize you unless you step out into the light, the light. Don't be sad, I know you will. But don't give up until true love will find you in the end.